0: Well, here we go. We're in a series talking about the dynamic effects of spiritual unity. And I want to tell you something. God is so good and so timely. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know already. But God is just amazing every single time the way God works, the way he comes in and uh, addresses. every. God's got an answer for every situation, doesn't he? He just addresses it all, and I just love the Lord for that. If you have your bibles this morning i 'm going to have you turn to a couple different scriptures as we go along, but first turn to psalm one thirty three and we 're talking this morning about unity now I was thinking about I was thinking about some things I was thinking about actually uh, it 's interesting how I got to this i was Uh, been talking with my son about his history class. I know he doesn't want me to talk about it, but we were were talking about history and uh, why do we need history? You know, what what am I going to use that for? So we got in that whole conversation. Um, But it got me to thinking, and uh, in my thoughts in rambling, I was thinking about this country and the history of this country and how we started. And it was a dream I believe, of our founding fathers and those who came over here uh, to have a united country, amen, a country that comes together. Uh, and, but when you look at when the country first started and you kind of look out now uh, to the landscape of our country, some might say that uh, we used to be uh, the United States and now it would be more apropos to say we're the divided states. Come on. Uh, Because there's a lot of division. I mean, uh, everyone in here is privy to uh, racial divide and political divide and uh, generational gaps and divide. uh, You know, all of that. And there's so much division. And I want to tell you that unity is not natural in our fallen world. It's not natural to be unified. Now, a lot of us have a vision of what unity will be. And I hope during our short time here today that I'm able to get across really what the Lord wants to say. There's a couple nuggets. There's a key, uh, I believe, that God wants to get across to us even this morning about uh, unity. Uh, we know that the enemy is at work but, and sin causes division. Uh, we know all of those things. And, uh, but guess what? We're not going to give him any glory this morning. Amen. Co- cohesion and unity are really God's way. Psalms 133.1 says this. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell, what, together in unity. It is like precious oil, he goes on to say, upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Unity is not something that we just need to uh, put up with. We, We have to do unity because of something that we're supposed to do, like taking out the trash or doing the dishes or brushing our teeth. Or even going to work. I have to because I have to get paid. In order to pay these bills. No unity. uh, David said how good and pleasant it is. When God's people. Dwell together. In unity. Jesus said it like this. In Matthew 18 19. He said again I tell you. If two of you on earth. Just two of you. Would come together and agree. In other words harmonize together make a a symphony together if you would just agree about whatever it is anything and everything this is from the Amplified anything they may ask it will come to pass and be done for them by my father in heaven wherever two or three are gathered together drawn together as my followers into my name there I am in the midst, if you would just come together, if you would come together, anything you ask would be done for you. There's a lot of things we don't accomplish in life because we're out on an island alone. I'm going to do it by myself. But God wants us to harmonize together. and We're going to see how to get there. Harmony from the Greek meaning to set together in agreement concert to fit or to adapt together. Come on. Harmony is accomplished when all parts become one whole working in agreement. I was thinking, I was watching some football yesterday and uh, for those of you that like football, many of you may not, but I'm a a football fan and I, I watch football and the playoffs and I was I was watching I was watching the game yesterday, and I began to think about all these guys, and they're, uh, they they come from all different walks of life, different races. I mean, they probably believe a lot of different things, uh, but they're some of them are tall, some of them are short, some are real skinny. Come on, like Nicholas. Some are a little bit more well healthy. In areas. But there are all sorts of people that come together, and all these guys get together. And they have a common purpose, a common goal, to get to that goal line. Even if you don't know football, you've certainly heard of a goal line, the end zone, the touchdown. And they all come together to get to that point. My wife was watching a little bit of football with me yesterday, and she looked at the guy kicking, And she said, the kicker, now, what else does he do? And I said, well, a lot of times it's just, he just kicks. Is that all he does is just kick the ball? He just gets to kick the ball and run off the field. I said, well, if he kicks a kickoff, he has to stay out and try to tackle. But, you know, other than that, yeah, that's his specialty. But one of the things we have to realize is that he does something that none of the other men on the team can do. And so when the team gets down to a point where they can't get into the end zone and it's fourth down and it's too long for them to try for a touchdown, they need to bring in a kicker. And if they're down by two points, all of a sudden now that kicker is valuable. Come on. Because nobody else on the team can do it. In other words, they can't win the game without this kicker. When we look around in the body of Christ, We see some people that we feel have value. Oh, well, he's a bishop. So without him, the wheels of the vehicle of the body of Christ wouldn't turn without bishop. This guy up here is a pastor. That person over there is this. Everybody in the body of Christ is not only important and valuable, but has a purpose and plays a role. And we can't get there without all of us harmonizing together, come on, for the same purpose. But it's all about unity. Unity is not sameness, come on. It is distinctiveness, moving in the same direction in order to achieve a common goal. Unity is purpose-driven, not persons-driven and that's what we need to get into our mind. Turn over to another passage of scripture, John 17. I know I'm throwing the media team a little curveball, but turn over to John 17. The Lord just gave me this. This is this is Jesus is about to go to the cross. And he is addressing his disciples one more time. And then he says a prayer in fact, I believe it's the longest recorded prayer that Jesus said in the Bible. He says a prayer here. Now, I won't read all of the prayer, the whole chapter, but let's look, let's look starting at verse 9. John 17, starting at verse 9. The Bible says Jesus is praying. He says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave to me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Drop down to verse 20. He said, I do not pray in verse 20 for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I want to point your attention to a couple of passages. And I believe Jesus here is giving us a key. He told Peter that I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And I believe one of those keys is found right here in this passage. Look at verse 11. It says that they may be one as we are. Verse 21, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May be one in us. Verse 22, that they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in what? One. All kinds of different people. Unity is not sameness. God doesn't expect a man to be a woman or a woman to be a man. I don't care what the culture says. Uh, Because when you do that, now you're saying that God made some mistakes. Come on, somebody. God doesn't expect you to be like her or her to be like that one. Or God expects you to be who he made you to be. But he wants us to come together as one. So, Lord, how do we do this? How in the world? One of the problems that we find is that when we come together as a group, whether it's a family, a husband and wife, whether it's a church, whether it's a club, whether it's some, uh, you know, employment, your employer, whatever it might be, when we come together as one, we have some ideas. And one of the things we try to do is we try to change the other person to conform to our ideas. You know that in families. It happens all the time in families, in marriages. I want to change the other person to be like me. But what we have to understand is unity is not the changing of the person, but it is the clarity of the purpose. Look back up here at verse 4. I'll show you that. Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. There's a purpose here. And instead, we're trying to change the person without understanding that unity is about the purpose. Our focus has to shift from looking at each other and looking at our own shortcomings and problems, shift it to the purpose. Because Jesus says that the unity that we have, Father, must filter down to them. And you have to understand that Jesus was praying for his disciples. But remember, he said, I also pray for those who believe on your word. He's talking about the disciples. It wasn't a capital Y there. He's talking to them. The word that I give you. And when they believe that word, I'm praying for them also. So he's talking to you and I as well. When we're talking about this unity. But he says it must filter down to them. This word, unity, goes with harmony, goes with agreement. The word agreement actually comes from this Greek word, symphonia, which is where we get symphony from. Do you realize, some of you musicians will know this, when you see an orchestra warming up for a performance, it sounds like a mess. Come on. If you've ever gotten to the show early, and you hear them warming up. It's, it's discord because they're all doing their own thing. Come on. One's playing this, the other one's tuning up to see, and the other one's work, working on this riff, and it sounds like a bunch of discord, and you can't make sense of what they're playing because why? Everybody's doing their own thing. Come on. But when the conductor walks out, And he lifts up the baton. Come on. And he gets everyone's attention. And he gets everyone's eyes on him. Come on. And he taps it a few times on the podium. And he gets everyone to focus on the right thing. And when he does that, he gets everyone on the same page. Come on. And now when they begin to play, you have all of this discord coming together in harmony. I think that one of the things we try to do as people, we try to meet together and figure it out. Because we want unity. We want to do things together but we just don't know how to accomplish it. And so we come together and we meet and we try to figure it out and we get your idea and your idea and I give you my idea and we do all these things and we come together and half the time we don't even pray about it and we write it down and say that's what we're going to do. It's discord because your focus is not on the conductor who has the purpose. Come on, somebody. What's missing in unity, family unity, church, and certainly Societal unity is a common purpose. We have to understand unity is not about the people, but it's about the purpose. It's about the vision, and that's what we have to look at. A lot of times we have people gathering together for, with individual purposes, fighting and, and positioning for relevance, and instead of fighting over our differences apart from sin, We should be fighting for that goal line together. Come on. And in order to achieve unity, there must be a submission to legitimate authority. Come on. Jesus said, I came to do the work that you sent me to do. Now, I was somebody. Come on. Second person of the Godhead. I am the word. I mean, when the Father speaks, it's me going out. Come on. I'm the Word. And, and and listen, I don't need you, Peter, to pull your sword and cut off someone's ear. Do you not think that I could bring more than 12 legions of angels like that? Come on. I'm somebody. Come on. But instead of fulfilling my own purpose in the way I think things should go, I must now submit To the common purpose and the common goal of the conductor. Because he knows how to do it. Come on. He knows the purpose. He knows all the music that's on the sheet. Oh, come on. He's conducting. But if he... I heard something over there. How'd you hear me? There's 12 flutes. I heard it. It wasn't a C. Come on. Are you not tuned up. In order to achieve this, we got to submit to authority, to the Lord. Even though the Father and the Son are equal, same DNA, same spirit, they had an arrangement where when the Son came to the earth and wrapped himself in flesh, he would submit to the will of the Father in order to achieve the goal of the kingdom. And so I begin to say, man, Lord, I've been looking at this unity thing all wrong. I now understand that it's not just about people. It's not just about me as a leader. It's not just about us trying to figure out what we need to do. It's about us refocusing on the common purpose. If there's no common purpose, if there is no goal, we can't achieve unity together. So to get this unity that Jesus wants us to have, we need to understand a very key element. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, Jesus said this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Drop down to verse 19. And for their sakes, I what? Sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. It takes some sanctification to achieve unity. Come on. Sanctification is the road to unity. Because you cannot have any legitimate unity if there is no truth. People say Christians are intolerant and they're narrow-minded. Let me tell you something. Without the narrow-mindedness of Christendom, you have chaos. You have anarchy. Come on, there's no common purpose. It's ridiculous. We'll all get there. You do this thing and you believe that way and we'll all get to the same place in the end. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry to tell you, it does not work that way. Tell that to the orchestra. Well, you just play what you feel, Brother James. Sister Dietrich, if you want to play page three, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Sister Jody, go to page 19. I know you can do that. And let's just all come together. Come on, Brother Keith. And you just sing in any key. Whatever key you want to sing in, you do that. Go. What would that sound like? I'm talking about non-musicians out there. Y'all know. What would that sound like? Yeah, somebody just said, oh, my God. Look at the world. When I look around at the world today, I'm saying, oh, my God. Somebody's on page 19 and somebody's on page 3. And we're not going to get there together. It's going to take some sanctification. It's going to take some focus. We need some truth. Is there a word from the Lord? That's why I want to hear from the prophet on Wednesday. Is there a word from the Lord? Which way should we go, Lord? I got my ideas. Sister Dorothy has her ideas. Forrest has an idea. Randy has an idea. What you say, Lord. Come on. What say you? Because I can try to get Jeff to form to my mind. And Patty can try to get me to form to her mind. But Christ all the while is saying, you need to have the mind of what? You need to have the mind of Christ. Come on. The mind of Christ. This is the key that Jesus is trying to give us to unity. He's trying to get us to refocus. Has it ever occurred to you that hundreds, thousands of pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork? Are automatically tuned to each other. I'm gonna say that again for the non-piano players. When you tune a piano you have a tuning fork and that fork is what you tune to. So you could tune hundreds of pianos to this one tuning fork and when you do that do you not know that now all the pianos are tuned together. They're tuned to each other. Now if I play a C on this piano, it's the same as a C on this one, that one, that one, and that one. They're all the same. Why? Because Not because they came together and said, what does your C sound like? What does your C sound like? No, they went to the fork. <clears throat> Come on. They tuned to the tuning fork. They listened to the conductor. They all got on the same page. Same page. Amos said, can two walk together unless they be agreed together, unless they have the same focus? Let me tell you about a congregation that works together. You can apply these things in your family, in your marriage, on your job. Let me give you just a few points on a congregation that works together. I won't read it, but I was reading in the book of Nehemiah. That's where they were rebuilding the wall. Come on. And there was one point in there where they were kind of all over the place. And, and somebody said, hey, hey, this is difficult because you're way down there and you're way down there. I, I don't know what you're doing and you don't know what I'm doing. Let's come together. Read it. It's in the book of Nehemiah. He so said, let's come together. And I read this book and I got some nuggets about unity as it relates to a congregation. Number one, everybody had a mind to work. In other words, there was not one of the Israelites, by the time it was all over, that said, I'll just let everybody else do that. When they're finished, then I'll just reap the benefits. Everybody wanted to have a hand in it. Everyone had a mind to work. Number two, everyone had a commitment to prayer and intercession. Now, this speaks to everyone wanting to know what the Lord says. Come on. I want to be a part of this, but I'll just watch what Eldon does. Whatever he does, I'll do. And that's okay to an extent, because Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. But at some point, you have to have your own relationship with him. Come on. I'm just an example. God has a different purpose for you, that we might all get to the same goal line. So everybody prayed. Everybody interceded. Everybody fasted. Come on. Everybody spent some time with the Lord. Everybody sanctified themselves. Everyone was aware of the enemy's plans, And the enemy's plan is simply to cause the work to cease. But everyone was able to discern. Come on. We've got to stop being so naive sometimes. Now listen, everybody's not some sort of prophet or some sort of spiritual giant. I realize all of that. But I guarantee you, you pray, you read your Bible, the Lord will talk to you. The Lord will begin to show you some things, and you'll be able to discern. And everyone was able to discern the enemy so that they wouldn't be drawn into the snare. Come on, last week we talked about the snare of offense. I'm not going to be drawn into it. I'm not going to offend. If I do, I'm going to go ask for forgiveness, and I won't take offense. Well, that's hard to do. Come on now, somebody say something about you, that's hard to do. But you got to make up your mind, it's not about the other person. And then everyone was responsible for their own work. All this is in the, I'm not reading, I'm not going to read it to you this morning, but all of it's in the book of Nehemiah. Everybody was responsible for their own work. In other words, what the Lord told you to do and the gift he gave you, that's what you stuck with. I wasn't trying to be a preacher when I was supposed to play keyboards. I wasn't trying to be an usher when I'm not supposed to be doing this. Come on. God gave you a gift. Now move out in it. Now, that's not to say that you can't do other things. You can't pick up the slack. Come on now. Don't just let things fall by the wayside. Pick up the slack where it needs to be picked up. But understand your purpose. Everyone did their part. I have a part in it, and I'm doing it. Because if everybody doesn't do their part, the thing's going to fall apart. Everyone had a specific work. There were some In, the, in this book, there were some that were prayers. Some were watchers. Some were builders. Some were warriors. Some were leaders. Everybody had a specific work to do, and they understood what that work was. And they began to do their work. Everybody was ready to build and ready to fight. Now, why do I say that? Everybody got to the point where they wanted to move forward. I'm tired of sitting here doing, I'm tired of the same old thing. Somebody need to just get tired. (laughs) Come on. Of the devil coming in and wreaking havoc and you just taking it. Come on. Somebody need to get tired of the same old thing, always being short on your bills, always getting in arguments at work. Come on now, somebody need to get tired of all this stuff, and when you get tired of it, I won't say sick and tired, because we know we healed, but when you get tired of it, you're going to do something about it. Somebody just need to get tired of it. Everybody was ready to build. I'm sick and tired of being in bondage. I'm sick of it. When I know I have a God that created the universe who has made a way for us to be free. And all we got to do is go fight. Everybody was ready to fight. Come on. Together for the common purpose. Everyone was sensitive to the sound of the trumpet. Everybody was able to hear the sound that's it that's the Lord speaking the voice of the Lord everyone heard it when God speaks everyone hears it the only way you don't if you're not listening or if you're focused on your own thing everybody else will hear it but you focused on your thing everybody was sensitive to that sound everybody was a laborer in the work of God no exceptions There's no pew sitters. (laughs) Come on. Everybody has something to do, no matter how big or small it is. Even if it's praying for people. Even if it's interceding. Come on. Whatever it might be. And if you don't know, seek the Lord. God will tell you what your part in this thing is. Everyone understood the work was great and could not allow distractions. Now, this is a big thing. This just goes back to focus. Everyone was focused on the common. See, when you have a common purpose and you can get everyone to focus on that, then unity comes and discord begins to leave. We need to understand what the common purpose is. Jesus said in Matthew 28, somebody could tell me, go out, go, what? Teach, preach, make disciples, baptize, bring people into the kingdom. He gave us a common purpose purpose and a common goal and if our goals don't line up with that goal well then we're out of order and we're causing the discord come on everyone resisted the lies of the enemy and his fear tactics no one succumbed you got to be careful with listening to other people sometimes come on when you know the lord spoke a word See, one of the things is when I when I have good friends, and someone comes to me and tells me, you know, your good friend James did this or did that. Well, I, what I should do is just not automatically believe them. What should I do? Go to Brother James. That's my friend. When someone tells me, well, your wife is this way and she doesn't love you. See, if you don't, if you don't go. And, and straighten it out. Then the enemy begins to put a lot of things in your mind. And then you begin to believe it. And then you end up somewhere you don't want to be. Everyone said, listen, no longer. I'm not listening to lies and I'm not listening to distractions. I'm not going to let the enemy distract me any longer. Come on. The enemy just has fear tactics. Everyone knows the work is accomplished because God did it. Glory goes to where glory is due. Come on. Look at how I did this thing. Look at how I built this church. Look at these songs that we did. Look at this thing over here. Look at the youth group and what we did. Look at how when I came in, uh, it, it changed all around. God gets all of the glory, all of it. None left out. When we say all the glory, we mean all. None gets left out. Everyone marvels at a work when it's the work of God. Everyone is in awe of the Lord. I am in awe of God's work and his word, his presence. I bow down, sanctify myself before him. And then finally, every member in a local church has a work to do. Some of these are just reiterated, but I want you to really get it. That everybody is important. Because this word unity, it comes from a Greek word, he knows. And it means to be in agreement. It means singleness of heart. It doesn't mean we're the same. It doesn't mean we're the same color. We like the same music. We're the same height, whatever it might be. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it means we do have a singleness of heart. See, apart from sin, we need diversity the way God created it. Come on. We need color. We need different gifts. We need different accents. Come on. It makes it beautiful for the Lord to hear. We need different vernaculars and different ways that we say things. Come on. Apart from sin. But we have a singleness of heart. Unity is the quality of being whole, especially a union of all. That's what it is. Unity together. Let me leave you with a little story. There was a man who had a dream one time. And in his dream, he began to dream about his body. Strange dream. But his hands and feet and mouth and brain all began to rebel against his stomach. It's weird story. This was his dream, though. They said, you good-for-nothing sluggard. The hand said that. They said, we work all day long, sawing and hammering and lifting and carrying, and by evening, we're covered with blisters. Anybody ever felt like that? Scratches and our joints ache, and we're covered with dirt. And meanwhile, you just sit there hogging all the food. We agree, cried the feet. Think how sore we get walking back and forth all the day long. Not to mention, this guy needs to lose some weight. I'm carrying all this weight. And you just stuff yourself full, you greedy pig, so that you're much heavier. To carry about. That's right, Wind the mouth. Where do you think all that food you have comes from? I'm the one who has to chew it all up. As soon as I'm finished, you suck it down all for yourself. Do You call that fair? Come on. What about me, cried the brain. I'm the brains of the operation. Do you think it's easy being up here having to think about Where your next meal is coming from, and yet I get nothing for all of my pains. One by one, the parts of the body join the complaint against the stomach, which did nothing at all. I have an idea, the brain finally announced. Let's rebel against the lazy stomach, the lazy belly. We'll just stop working ourselves. Superb idea. The other members and the other organs agreed. We'll teach you how important we are because we're going to stop doing what we're doing, you pig. Then maybe you'll do a little work of your own. So they all stopped. They all stopped working. Hands refused to do lifting and carrying the feet. Refused to walk. The mouth promised not to chew or swallow. A single bite and the brain swore. It wouldn't come up with any more bright ideas. At first, the stomach growled a little bit as it always did when it was hungry, but after a while, it just became quiet. Then, to the dreaming man's surprise, he found he could not walk. He could not grasp anything with his hands. He could not even open his mouth. And suddenly, he began to feel rather ill. The dream seemed to go on for several days. As each day passed, the man felt worse and worse. And he said, this rebellion had better not last much longer, or I'll starve. Meanwhile, the hands and the feet and the mouth and the brains, they just lay there, getting weaker and weaker. At first, they roused themselves just enough to taunt the stomach every once in a while. But before long, they didn't even have the energy to do that. Finally, The man heard a faint voice coming from the direction of his feet. It could be that we're wrong. Barely talk. We suppose the stomach might have been working in his own way all along. Well, I was just thinking the same thing, murmured the brain. It's true that he's been getting all the food, but it seems he's been sending most of it right back to us. We might as well admit our error, the mouth said. The stomach has just as much work to do as the hands and the feet and the brain and the teeth. They all said, let's get back to work. They cried together. And at that, the man woke up. And to his relief, he discovered his feet could walk again. Come on. His hands could grasp, his mouth could chew, and his brain could now think clearly. He began to feel much better. And the man thought to himself, well, the lesson for me, here today, as he filled his stomach with some breakfast, is that either we all work together, or nothing works at all. And I think we could take a lesson from this in the body of Christ, that we all work together, or it doesn't work. I've heard messages, I've heard pastors say, look, I don't know what y'all going to do, but I know I'm doing this. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give you the information. If you don't do it, you know, that's up to you. If they just don't care what you do, I know what I'm doing. The problem I realize with that is that it won't work unless... That's the way God made it. Unless we all work together, unless we all get it, it's not going to work. We must have the common goal and the common unity. We must have a common purpose. We must learn to take our eyes Off of our own problems and our own circumstances and our own shortcomings. And like the old song says, turn your eyes toward Jesus. Because in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. He was, is, and is to come. We need to understand that. But we have our own agendas. God is trying to tell us this morning a couple things. One, get the common purpose and follow that. And number two, sanctify yourself. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If you haven't taken part in this fast or maybe if you've fallen short a couple times, I want to tell you that today is the day. Start today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Don't let your yesterday pull you back or pull you down we got to be in unity. Jesus said it. We won't get there. This is important. He said it five times in his prayer. Five times. And look at how he said it. He didn't say, Lord, I just pray, Father, that they work together. He said, I pray that they are one. Watch this now. As you and I are one. I pray that they are one as you and I are one. Now, the father and son, same DNA, same essence, same God. Come on. That's the way he wants us. Think about it for a moment. He wants all of us to be one just like that. That's what he wants us to do. And so I know we have uh, our different sects. I call them sects. Some of y'all call them denominations. I know we have our different ideas and all of those things. And I want I to say something else to you before we quit here today. I know this, for me, to me, is kind of a bold statement, and I don't want to offend you this morning, but I just feel it is the Lord. Not only can we not get there if the, the, we as a people are in unity, as in other types of religions. Islam, Buddhism, and all of those things that don't believe in Jesus we obviously know that we can't be in unity not true unity we maybe can do some work together we can do some good things we can raise some money we can feed some homeless we can do that together but not the unity that God's talking about there's no true unity, remember, without truth sanctification but not only that, I want to go a step further I want to tell you that in the body of Christ, until we have a unity and stop having Baptist and Apostolic and Church of Christ and Church of God and whatever, we're not going uh, to have true unity. Now, I know some don't believe that. Because, listen, I, I, would never, I would never tear down, listen, I know, as long as you preach Jesus, I get it. And I'm there with you. Preach Jesus. Because that's the most important thing. The cross is the most important thing. But Jesus had a prayer, and we're slapping him in the face when we don't come together. And we'll not do it with a meeting. It's, it's not going to be, let's get the apostolic, I don't know why I'm saying this. It's not going to be, let's get the apostolic church together with the, with the Baptist church, with the non-denominational churches, and let's meet and have a meeting and see where we can come together with our differences. It's not going to work. That's man's way. Only thing we can do is come together and pray. We just need to start praying. And see what the Lord says. And somebody's going to have to submit. Somebody's going to have to submit to the true authority of Christ. Because last time I checked in the Bible, it wasn't Baptist and Apostolic and Church of Christ and African Methodist Episcopal and Church of God in Christ. I didn't see all that in here. All I saw was just Jesus. That's all I saw. And Him crucified. And Him resurrected. And the apostles' doctrine, that's what I see in the Bible. Now we somehow have to get focused on that and stop focusing on our own doctrines. Come on. And when we can do that, there is nothing that will be impossible. And we say, I'm done, but we say this. We say, how come we don't see the signs and wonders of the Bible? How come we can't? Jesus just told us in his prayer, when two of you on earth agree, The true meaning of agreement is that symphony. I'm not talking about agree to disagree. It's not what Jesus said. He said, when you come together and you agree, there will be nothing impossible to you. Whatever you ask, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. But there's a precipice to it. You must agree, and we must be in unity. How much more for our congregation? To be in unity. And the only way we do that is seek the Lord.